Welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Jim Hemphill, Features Writer for Craft and Special Projects at IndieWire. My guest today is Louis Leterrier, who has directed a lot of movies I've loved, particularly The Transporter and the hilarious action comedy The Brothers Grimsby. Now he has taken the helm of one of the most massive, both in terms of scale and popularity, franchises in the world, the Fast and the Furious series. He came on very late in the game to direct Fast 10, or Fast X if you prefer, after director Justin Lin left the project. And I talked with him about both the challenge and the upside of jumping onto a huge movie like this once the train has already left the station. I thought Louis did a great job of delivering the satisfactions one expects from a Fast and the Furious movie while also bringing his own personality and sense of humor to it, and I really enjoyed hearing how he did it. I hope you do as well. To me, it just seems so intimidating to take out a movie like this, and I'm curious for you how you manage the scale of something like this where you've got I know this is a big question, but you've got multiple units and thousands of people working on this. How do you maintain your idea of what the movie should be and make sure it doesn't get lost or misinterpreted along the way? It's a great question because I didn't know the answer. <laughs> As I studied the movie, I was like, how will I? You know, ultimately, it's sort of like having a clear vision and communicating it, being very transparent and 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 excited about it and surrounding yourself with people that will listen to you, but also give you back feedback and, and understanding and sort of like bring, sort of like build the stuff up together. Or, you know, I'm not a sculptor, I'm not a painter, I'm a director. So I surround myself with a crew and a cast and post-production team and, and also, frankly, a studio. And if we all together are making the same movie, it's such a smooth process. It's so easy. And you might have thousands, thousands literally thousands of people, our credit sequence is is, you know, nine minutes long on the triple layer. So it's like, it's like you know, there's like 10,000 names on this credit, on this roller. So we, you know, you have to talk, delegate, understand that that the people are going to understand what you mean, but also give you their interpre- very excited interpretation of what they, they want. And it's great. Now, the challenge was like, that's not a crew that mostly a crew I didn't work with. And I, I knew them separate some of them separately but it's it was justin's crew so i i walked into a a crew and like the rolls royce of film crews that had been assembled by by my friend justin and he you know and he allowed me to keep them and they all stayed on so it was like okay let's you know business as usual new director let's go but it was so amazing because they are like okay just i was like okay what did what do you plan with justin we planned this with justin and was like what if we did this no problem boss you know let's do this governor as they say in england no problem governor and then we do this and we you know i was not i didn't want to break the stuff that was working i just wanted to i i saw opportunities to enhance a couple of things here and there and find a different spin and also you know that was my original ideas and then also what the actors gave me and what I realized on set and just the improvs that came up and all this stuff. So it was like seizing, like really seizing the opportunities and then and then turning to my crew was like, can we do this? Yes. Okay, off we go. And really it was like, it was it was fantastic. And then, yeah, you, you direct it. I, I use that as an analogy today. I was like, it's like normally being a film director, you're a conductor, you know, you're a conductor of like a massive 80 piece orchestra, 100 piece orchestra. And then you're like, ah, da, 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 da. but now I have to do this. And I also have Metallica next to me playing at the same time, this or, you know, orchestral thing. And also Daft Punk shooting there and playing there. And it's, everybody had to play together. 
and make it like very organic. My video village looked like, you know, mission control. I had like five monitors for main unit, 12 monitors for second unit, action unit, and, you know, different countries, like literally like Q-Take in Rome on one, on one you know, Q-Take in, in Portugal and the other one, and then the real one here. I was like, wow, calling action and giving notes in different countries and different continents. It was, it was, it was just nuts. But then you're like, it's like everything. It's like, you're like, wow, that's crazy. Take one, you're like, okay, take two, take, and by take three, you're like, okay, that's my reality. Off we go. Wow. So you describing having all those monitors and, you know, thinking about shooting with, with all those cameras, how do you, when you're shooting with however many cameras you've got, you know, even, and I'm assuming even for a simple scene in a movie like this, you're probably shooting three, four, five cameras, maybe. I don't know. No, yes. No, you don't need, I mean, it's two minimum, three, maybe. You know, on main unit, sometimes more, but like, yeah, it's two, it's, it's mostly, most days it's two cameras, yeah. So what kind of, I guess, what kind of factors go into deciding where you're going to place the camera? Are these things that you've planned out pretty specifically ahead of time? And if so, how much flexibility do you allow yourself on set? I plan, obviously I didn't prep the movie, but I, I was working really hard to come up to, to be up to date and, and even like ahead of schedule and work all this stuff. And everything. so there's some stuff that's really planned. Uh, and there's some stuff that's kind of like felt like, you know, blocking with actors. Like I, I'm like, I have, I have an idea and I block it, but like the moment an actor goes like, oh, I'd rather sit there, then here goes my shooting, my, my my shot list for the day and my storyboard. So there's no need to do that. But if you want to do an action, it's less about the blocking and the camera moves and more about the feeling. So like I comment, it's like the feeling I want for this emotional scene is closeness. So let's really get close to the Dom and Letty when they're in bed. Let's let's be part of this conversation. What I want for this race scene is I want to put you, the audience member, into the, the passenger seat of, uh, you know, a, a race. So moves and cameras and really get you there and really feel the emotion and not be outside of the race shooting out. You want to be inside the race and, and transitioning from car to car. So that's kind of like the feeling. And then afterwards I approach it, then I go into technical stuff. And then some stuff had never been done before because I'm obsessed with shooting as much practically as possible, even if it's like enhanced or visual effects for you know, practical reason, safety, school. Most of the elements were shots for real. So all the cars are real. They're really are racing. But, you know, we might be in a back lot in London and not in the streets of Rio because you cannot block the streets of Rio, stuff like that. But the race is real and the actors are really behind the wheel. And, the, you know, the car is not on fire. But, but yes, we're flipping the car. Like, you know, Jacob flipping in his car. We put him in a washing machine of a thing and he was reflipping. So that kind of stuff exists. And then you, you come up with some ideas that you're like, okay, I've never seen it. I know technologically I had to do it with computers. I know that the, the cameras now are smaller, better, tighter, faster. We can shoot stuff that was not possible 10 years ago or done with, with visual effects 10 years ago. Now we can do them with, you know, sort of like periscopic lens and little cameras. And then frankly, a piece of equipment that we created or enhanced and then you get shots like the pullbacks for all the cars, real, done, no visual effects, done for real. The, you know, going from car to car to car to car, done, done, no visual effects, like, you know, stuff like that. The, the one that goes, that starts, you know, 
that goes around, that behind the car goes around little B, goes around Dom, down his arm into the, the engine, real, like, you know, done for real, like, you know, but, yeah, no CG. So, I mean, CG environments, but but the actors are, are real. You know? So that's what I like. It's sort of like you, it's like a mix of both. So like you have to be, you have to be very flexible. But frankly, you know, what helped me on this one is, uh, is that everybody was, I had like the complete trust of, everyone involved it literally everyone so i was not second guessing my instinct i could go on instinct so what you saw you know what you saw yesterday jim was my it's my vision like literally my vision not a compromised vision or not a no day to death vision it's kind of like my vision because we had no time this <laughs> is like that's what it is like we have no time go like we trust you give us a good movie Okay, see so you at the literally see you at the premiere. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, on the one hand, you know, it seems like it would be terrifying to come into a movie like this as late as you did. But on the other hand, in terms of your instincts, you have to trust them. You don't really have a choice. So I mean, in a way, you know, in a way, it seems to me like that would be almost an advantage of the way you came into this. That it's like there's none of this paralysis of analysis. Yeah. You just got to do it. I love the paralysis of analysis. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, I didn't have this. I, I had it for myself, and I was like, I was like really like harsh on myself, and not be. Like, you know, I was like, shoot for the cut. Shoot for the cut. Don't try fancy stuff. Shoot for the cut. Which I, which I do normally. But like, it's true that sometimes you shoot for the studio when you have to. You know, you approve version of something. Now I was like, if I was shooting two version, two. You know, slightly totally different version that were for me because I was like, oh, I need this or I need that. I have like, complete control. The studio gave me complete freedom. They're like, don't think about us. Think about the franchise. Think about yourself. Like, don't, don't, you know, just go for it. You're not hired. You're not a director for hire. You know, you're, you're, they handed me the keys to the kingdom. Literally was like, you know, the, the keys to the charger. They're like, okay, psh, they're yours now. Off you go. And that, that was amazing. I'd never felt that ever in my in my career where where i mean maybe like on smaller projects but like when you do those giant movies there's always somebody breathing down your neck of like too expensive you know not fast enough are you sure about this shot you know you know like more or less it's just like yeah whatever like i'm always like you know i always say like in hollywood like you're hired because of your take and then six months into it they're like why did you do this? And I'm like, well, that's what I pitched you six months ago when you hired me. And they're like, no, uh, well, maybe, but no, we want the opposite. I was like, you should have hired the other guy. <laughs> but it's, uh, this time there was none of that. There was like, go, oh, it's just, yeah, oh yeah, amazing. Also, I was like, I was cutting little bits of the movie and little mini trailers as we, because we were shot so much privately. So we didn't have to post any of this stuff. We we're like, yo, the ball rolling down the streets of Rome, done for real, big massive explosion, done for real, stuff like that. So we're shooting that, integrating with the the great acting that we're getting from the actors, and the studio was like loving it. So I was like, okay, good, 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 good. But daunting, yes, daunting, crazy, scary. Well, and not only do you have to get the trust of the studio coming into this, but you've got to get the trust of all of these actors, and as you say, this crew that you've inherited, many of whom have been with Fast and the Furious movies for years. Some of them going back to the beginning, yeah. what kinds of conversations did you have with all of them initially to gain their trust? How did you gain the actor's trust from the beginning? I think you gain, like in real life, you gain people's trust by listening to them, right? I mean, when you listen to someone, people really feel heard. And then what you say back to them is a conversation and not a, a, not a monologue about what you think. It's kind of like, I heard this and I heard that and here's what I think. That's that's where we 
that's that's how our relationship was forged. And starting with Vin, then Michelle, then, you know, the Fantastic Four, you know, Tyrese, Chris. I knew Natalie and never met Song, amazing. And then there's some people that, that I know, like Jason Statham, but Jason Statham in a transporter is different than Jason Statham in, you know, so, so although I know these actors, they're, you know, they're different and have different conversations with different people on different movies. And then you come in with their own thing. And then you come in, you cannot just say, well, now it's me. And off we go. You're just say, all right, you know, what was your experience? What do you want? What's your plan for this one? Let's go. You know, Jason Momoa, Brie Larson, like all the new characters, they were like, I had to have real first time, you know, actors playing their character for the first time with the director interaction. I had that, but no, no, no sense of like prep or rehearsal with them. So you have to go straight on like what feels right to you, what feels right to me. Let's go, let's play, let's find, let's look for something, give sense of trust also, like give me, give me more, but trust that I'm going to get the right things. And, and that, that was right. And then also there's like change of polarity, like what, I asked John Cena to do in this one was very different than what Justin asked John Cena to do in the previous one, you know? So that also was trust on John Cena's part of like, oh, that's a big turn, but I believe it's a turn that Jacob Toretto would have made, you know, because uh, that I felt this, the essence of the character was who he is in this one. Um, you brought up Jason Momoa, and I think he was actually my favorite thing about this movie. I thought this had the best villain. He was just great. I mean, he was scary, and he was funny, and he was charming, and all these things. And talk a little bit about what your philosophy is in terms of what makes a good villain, because I feel like that is really where this one stands apart to me. And that's it's just a great, great bad guy. Ultimately, everyone, because I had no time to create like characters that were so completely different than, you know, and then in order to do that, you have to rehearse and then find everything. We had like, we had to really, you know, hit the ground running and go. We went for like who these actors are in real life, you know, and then, but, but sort of like stretch it in one direction or another. So as I said, like, I think Jacob, I, I brought Jacob back towards who John Cena truly is, you know, and I saw a couple of things that Jason had shot before. And I was like, oh, I, uh, Momoa, and I was like, oh, I recognize something very interesting here. May I stretch it? And I asked him, I was like, you know, let's, I see that. Are you trying to do this? It's like, yeah, can I? But like, can I? And it's like, yes, you can. Let's put on the fuchsia and the purple and, you know, paint, let's paint the nails. Let's just go for it. Let's do, let's put your hair in ponytails. Let's just go for it. And let's have fun and, and trust that I will protect your performance in the cut. But give me, give me more. And also, he's so good because obviously it's, he's great on his own. He's amazing with Vin. Like, the, when the two of them are against each other, just the fact that they were reacting off of each other and reacting so well and just sort of like getting under each other's skin and sort of like, like yeah, like pinching each other where, where it hurts. It was like, it was really, there was strength there, like, you know, artistic strength there. And I was just like revving their engine, revving, revving, giving them, tell him this, call him a butthole. Really? Yeah, call him a butthole. Yeah. Butthole. I, then Vin is like, I mean, you know, Dom Toretto would go and kill the guy, but then he knows that if he goes and kills the guy, there's so much more that, you know, he's this evil genius as planned. So he, he has to keep him alive. You cannot kill Dante yet. There's so much more. There's something. There's, there's, 
So he's like to the detriment of of you know his own safety. He's like no, and his son's safety is like he's like no. Yeah. It's amazing to play with actors of that caliber and letting them just enjoy themselves. But yeah, Dante is a one thousand person Jason Momoa. So like it's Jason, but like tuned to the max. Well, and you reminded me how much a part of that character is the costumes. Like, I just love his wardrobe. You know, what kind of conversations, what's what's the collaboration like between you, Momoa, and the costume designer figuring out the look? Osanya Hayes, she's done all the Fast and Furious movies. I think what she loved doing in this one is playing, you know, with a completely different palette, with different paintbrushes. And, and Jason gave her that. I mean, frankly, that is not far from what Jason wears in real life. <laughs> so, so like, you just go like, oh yeah, what if, what if we just enhance that? You see, it's like, it's, you know, he, he had like hernia surgery in the beginning. It's like a little bigger in the beginning and he gets like, he gets a little bit more, more monstrous towards the end, but that was also by design. He gets like slimmer and like scarier at first. It's like, oh, who's this? almost like a drunken fool coming into this thing. And then, and when he turns on a dime, it gets really scary. You get like, you're jarred by this, you know? So that felt really real. The costumes are so important in, you know, in these movies, especially like these orchestral movies with like literally a dozen of actors, 20, you know, like 20 actors. You need to know who they are. Like the moment you see them in their costume, you're like, oh yeah, I know this character. Or I know what they're ready for. And with Jason, you're like, Wait, who's that guy? I don't guess. And that's the thing. That's part of the thing. Is like he's the fool that you want, you know, that wants you to look at him. There's misdirection in in his whole costume. Like you know, you're like, wow, I, I cannot comprehend what I'm looking at. So, so that's where you get. You know, talking about we were talking about like the big orchestra and stuff you're conducting here and all these people. But one of my favorite scenes in the movie also is, in a way, one of the simplest, which is, I mean, not it's not simple. I'm sure to do it, but simple conceptually, which is Charlize Theron and Michelle Rodriguez's fight scene, where you've basically got two actors going at it. And that's a really, really well choreographed and well done scene and and very convincing. Um, You know, it really looks like it's the two of them fighting. And I was wondering if you talk a little bit about that scene, what goes into making a good fight scene and what collaboration is like between you and those actors and the stunt coordinator, (laughs) something like that. It's very hard to shoot this scene. And you know why it's very hard? Because you have to, you shoot with the real actors, the real actresses, you know, they really went in and went for it and trained and, and, and you have to do it safely. And you're on two levels with glass and they, they, they throw each other on glass planes that could hit the panes that could like fall down. It's like really hard to make these scenes, shoot these scenes, rehearse these scenes, just for the safety reason. You surround yourself with the best and I was lucky because Justin had hired Olivier Schneider, who's the guy that you know I've worked with since you know Unleashed, and he's an amazing fight choreographer. He's worked, you know, he's like part of the Luc Besson uh, school of things, and we we sort of like we we grew up together, and we saw each other on this 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 shoot, and I was like, oh my god, you're on this, yeah, I'm on this, oh my god, it's gonna be amazing. And they were like just started uh, doing this scene. Alexander Weed, who's like you know this amazing second unit director, you know, who's done a Gladiator, all the was was also uh, shooting the party, shooting that stuff. So it was like a joint effort. That was like the beginning of the shoot, and I think ultimately what works with that scene is that the fight choreography is amazing, but the ladies. They never stop acting. I was always there on set. I was always sort of like giving them directions, trying a line, doing this, everything. And it's like, it's amazing because they can, you know, you see it all, you see the physicality, you see this, but then you see 
you see the hatred, you see what they want, you know, the goal. Like ultimately you're you're like, it's a fight to the death seemingly, but like with a goal in mind. You know, sometimes they work together. Like they push each other away from the laser. They're like, yeah, if you die, I kill you. This thing won't kill you. That that laser machine, that, that robot is not killing you. I will kill you. So there's this push-pull thing that's really fun. And we kept going and there's like a, there's like a sense of humor about everything we're doing. And, and it's like, yeah, I think it makes, uh, I mean, Charlize and Michelle are exceptional like, actresses and, and fighters. And so it's like, you just have to protect them, you protect them from themselves. <laughs> you know, they're like, come on, let's do one more. I was like, I think we got it, ladies. <laughs> we, that was amazing. Let's just move on. They're like, okay, one last one. Okay, let's go. But like, they would go at it. Like, they're so generous with their time and their effort. So it's the best. It's like the fact that you hold people back because they want to give you so much, so much. You're like, no, no, I think we got it. It's amazing. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's never happened to me. It's always like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. What time do we finish? I was like, no, today it was like, they were like the first on set. They were rehearsing. Charlie Theron is always on set. There's no chair. She's like, see, sitting against the wall. Like, like, you know that how she is at the end. She's like waiting for Lady. That I, I had this idea because I saw her wait on set like this, like waiting and, you know, sort of like resting and just like, and I think she knows that if she's on set, there's like an energy that keeps going. So we, you know, everything, everything went very smoothly and very fast. They're amazing. I could talk to you about this movie all day, but um, we're out of time, but I'm glad to hear that it seems like, you know, the movie was as enjoyable for you to make as it was to watch. Cause I thought it was just a blast and I'm glad. Oh, that thanks. It was, uh, I think it shows, oh, thank you so much for saying that. But I think it shows that when everyone involved had a blast shooting it, it, comes through very easily. Like you see like movies where like, oh, this looked like, this looked like, <laughs> like this was a tough one to shoot. Like we all heard about the, you know, the, the Fury Road and everything. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one, I'm like, it's big, it's scope and it's all that stuff and the emotion is real. But like we, yeah, we all pitched in and had a blast. So like, I'm so happy. I'm so proud, so proud and so happy you liked it. Thanks, Jim. 